Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there and welcome to The Gong Show. My name's Steph Postuma. I'll be joined by Chefs Andy Burns and Simon Evans to discuss all things food and hospitality. This week on the show we have a very special guest, Libby Cupid from Cupid's Winery down in Milton on the south coast of New South Wales. Cupid's is a fantastic place. It's a winery, it's a restaurant, they've got a farm, they also have a brewery, make their own beer, and they have a cheesery as well, they make their own cheese. So they've got a great offering down on the south coast and we have a really interesting chat with Libby about progressing a business, making additions to it, also regional food culture and supporting food in your region. Really enjoyed our chat with Libby and we hope you do too. So let's get into it. Welcome to The Gong Show. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Steph Postuma, joined by Simon Evans from Caveau Restaurant. Hello. Andy Burns from Babyface and Two Smoking Barrels. Hello. And we have a very special guest, Libby Cupid from Cupid's in Milton. Is it Milton? Milton, Aladella, Molly Milk, whatever. Molly Milk. place. I think I've seen Probably it all three. Yeah. Things. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Libby. Um, we'll start with an acknowledgement of country. We'd like to acknowledge the Wadi Wadi people of the Dharawal Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land of the Illawarra, and pay respect to elders past, present, and future. Okay, well, Libby, um, look, I mean, we this, this podcast has evolved, but we've got you on to talk about what you guys do down there and talk about a bit, a bit about the differences between trading, you know, on the south coast, down south, uh, and... And a business like yours is a lot different to the ones that Andy and Simon have. So I think we'll just talk a lot about what you guys do and how it's different to what they do up here and get into some discussion about, um, yeah, all sorts of things around how you continue businesses progressing, whether it be with the wines and the cheeses and the beers that you guys do or what these guys do in their own kitchens. So let's start. Um, do you want to just start by telling us a bit about Cupid's, when it started, why it started, how it started and that sort of stuff? Yeah. Sure. So um, we have been operating for 12 years uh, in June as a winery restaurant. Uh, it started with Rosie Cupid and Griff Cupid, who are my in-laws. Um, they were living in um, the Southern Highlands, but always had a holiday house down on the South Coast at Narrawally Beach. And um, they, they'd always, always been on the land, but um, later on they bought the Barrel Hotel, um, so they had the pub and they were getting to the point where they were ready to sort of retire, sell the pub 
and move to their holiday house at Narrawally. Uh, so they did that, um, and I think that it was just a bit of an early retirement move for Griff. He was really missing being on the land. Um, Rosie was um, a trained horticulturalist. She used to design gardens and stuff in, um, in Barrel, but she also ran tours over to France for garden tours. Mm-hmm. And her interest had started to move into uh, wineries and viticulture um, more than ornamental gardens. So she decided to start uh, a post, what do you call it, a uh, degree by correspondence um, with uh, oniology. Actually, first it was viticulture, and then she found that she actually really wanted to learn how to make wine. So she moved into oniology. And um, at this sort of point... Griff was not really loving walking on the beach and doing crossword puzzles. Um, he wanted to get back in the land and started to look for a property. And he was looking sort of further afield out west. Um, and our Washburn farm came on at auction. They went and had a little look and was like, yep, this is a bit of a bargain. Um, had, had the capital from selling the pub. Pub's a good business. Um, and just bought it at auction. And he was like, great, I'm going to have a farm again. And then Rosie was like, oh, why don't we grow some grapes? Mm. So uh, he's like, yeah, okay, we can have a vineyard. And then they uh, got the soil tested and everything, um, decided to pursue that. And then they did a bit more research. And they were like, well, you're going to need to have a cellar door to sell the wine. So they were like, yep, we can do that. And then did a bit more research. And they're like, no, you're going to want to do weddings. You're going to need a restaurant. Nice retirement. Yeah, okay, we'll do a restaurant and build a little restaurant. And then um, before they knew it, they weren't really farmers and winemakers. They were doing that as well, but they were running a restaurant. And they were just thrown into into the restaurant world. Griff was, you know, picking up plates and everything on the opening weekend and got thrown in the pot wash, all of that. And they really, um, I suppose it took them by surprise how quickly it took off. Mm -hmm. Um, and they weren't, even though they had a pub, they really weren't, um, they had people managing the pub, so they weren't really in the hospitality field before in their life. So it was a bit of a quick learning curve for them. Um, and then, yeah, I think the town needed it. It was just known for beautiful beaches and great places to take your kids. I think, you know, most people um, in Wollongong and, and south of Sydney have spent a bit of time in their holidays on the south coast in Ulladulla or Mollymook. Um, growing up, but you know, we all know it for Ulladulla Funland, you know, going mm. to the beach, not really any sophisticated activities. So when we opened, everyone was like, oh, this is great. Mm. There's somewhere else to go. So it was really quickly um, building in popularity. And I should say the view is unbelievable. So Yeah, it's a, a beautiful of, piece of land. Yeah. yeah so, it, yeah, I'm not too surprised that it took off, but... Um, yeah, it then just snowballed. We needed to build a bigger restaurant because we needed bigger weddings and we just kept building, tacking things on, I guess, mm. uh, in terms of a bigger bar, bigger deck, dining area. Um, and then we all came to help out because they were struggling. So my uh, husband, Tom, and my brother-in-law, Wally, um, we were like, oh, well, we'll just help them get out of this sort of crazy growth period. And that kind of didn't slow down, really. Mm. It's just been it's been growing pretty pretty well ever since um, it started. Mm. It's, you know, we just helped get the operations mm. uh, in place a little bit better. Okay, and then and 
since opening as yeah a winery and a restaurant you've added all sorts of other things which we'll talk about but um can you tell us a bit about the wine yeah yeah so um where we grow predominantly Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon but we source um fruit from all over New South Wales so this vintage we crushed 120 ton of fruit in our tiny winery um it's a bit of a juggling act because we do a lot of varietals as well um but yeah we you know make wine with minimal intervention try to let the the grapes um shine um everything is pretty much put into french oak or hungarian oak um yeah i think there's about 16 different varietals maybe we've got going on we get fruit from canberra tumbarumba hilltops orange and then our own fruit um Rosie was the winemaker at the beginning, and then once Tom and Wally came on board, she started to hand over, you know, her knowledge and teach them how to be winemakers. Wally went over to uh, Sancerre, um, did a vintage with Alphonse Merlot in Sancerre. Um, Tom and I went down to De Bortley, did a vintage in the Yarra Valley. Uh, when we lived over in the UK, Tom went over to the Loire and did a bit of a vintage there as well. So just trying to learn from other people. Wally and Tom are both civil engineers, so their mind likes to figure stuff out. And, yeah, they, they, they <coughs> gravitated to it quite easily, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, not not uh, formally trained, but drink plenty of wine mm-hmm. and has now, um, I suppose, Wally's down here's, Seventh, eighth, eighth vintage now. Mm. Yeah, we've been um, rated a James Halliday five-star winery the last two years. And the year before that, Wally got, uh, well, we got um, in the top 10 dark horses category for James Halliday too. So mm-hmm. finally that reputation's building, um, which is great. Um, the wines are really good. It helps us to have so many different varietals because we do pairing in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So lots lots of options for cool. finding the perfect match. Awesome. How have you found that the, the vines you got planted down there, how have they been going over the last couple of years with a bit of age? Yeah, good. They're kind of coming to their own. Wally uh, has said to me the other day, he thinks this current vintage that we've just picked is his best ever. Yeah, okay. Um, really, really happy with it. Been doing a few different things in, in the vineyard as well. Mm. Uh, everything we do is, you know, um, anything you do in a biodynamic or organic vineyard, mm. but we're just not certified. Yeah, a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah, yeah I think age is helping. We've done a few interesting um, other things around the soil. Uh, we've got some really innovative gardeners that work with us that mm. have been testing different things. So It's a tough, tough climate down the south coast. Yeah, I, like for, I for certain varieties. Like for you've got, certain varieties, you've got to be clever yeah. what you what you plant. Totally. Um, so yeah, so, so was was the sam and the sav what people recommended originally? That was a decision on heart, I think, for the savion. Rosie has always um, travelled a lot in the Loire in yeah. France and had a lot of connection with um, winemakers over there making savion. So she really wanted to do that French style barrel fermented savion. Yeah. It was just. That was going to be her point of difference. Yeah, okay. um, Very different climate. Yeah. Just to, to sunset. Totally. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, the, it's a really nice sort of minerality. I think the maritime climate isn't bad for Sauvignon at all. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you see it in Margaret River yeah. too, which is a different climate, a bit warmer. Mm. But, um, you know, there's a nice sort of little bit of salinity that happens and... Um, we get a really good ocean breeze in the afternoon. Yeah, to cool. 
Yeah. Sammy Ons was has always been a bit of great for the Shoalhaven because it's an early ripener, mm. and we used to get loads of summer rain, late yeah. summer rain, which doesn't seem to happen anymore thanks to global warming. Yes, yeah. So disease pressure down the south coast has changed the last couple of years. But before it was getting too much rain and getting mildew, and mm. now, it's, now it's being too dry and getting, getting, mm. getting things getting burnt. Mm. It's quite an interesting change in, in quite a short space of time. But mm. possibly just the last couple of vintages. Which has been very, very dry, but produced like really, really spectacular fruit mm. for most growers on the south coast. So it's quite, an, quite an interesting time. So I don't think there's, there's, there's so much potential down there, but it's kind of it's very much untapped. Yeah, um, if you speak to Wally, he thinks there's loads of varieties that would go quite yeah, well yeah. where we are. Yeah, I know Kungar just um, grafted some Riesling in the last couple of mm. years because um, Andrew Spinazzi, the head winemaker from Tyrrells who makes the wine, thought it would go down well. And I think it, it won wine, won the gold, wine yeah. show, yeah, in, mm. in, the, in the Suckers Wine Awards. Mm. So it shows that kind of there is uh, some other varieties. I think people have been a bit a bit scared to plant anything else or to try anything new down there. So it's, it's and, and you know, and, and that's kind of showing in the quality. So it's, it's good that there's a few people on the coast trying some different things and, and making some quality wine and hopefully uh, pushing the bow a bit down mm. there. Yeah, there's it's a very um, there's not a lot of wineries in the Shorehaven mm. wine region. It's quite sparse, mm. um, and there's different levels of I suppose um, background in the in the industry mm. of people that are owning. Um, and farming's hard; like yeah. it's really hard. And when you can source fruit from really good growing areas where it comes in and it's pristine and it's been ripened at the perfect sort of pace mm-hmm. and the fruit tastes wonderful like you can understand why there's a real um well why why we do it anyway that we really focus on sourcing the best fruit we can to mm-hmm. make our wine it's just i mean the the alphonse savion's our flagship it's our baby because we do nurture the, the yeah. grapes and we've you know um been over and tried to learn the style of france and everything and we really are quite proud of it but in terms of you know the future for us i mean if wally was around the table it might be different but growing growing a lot more um grapes is probably just a bit of a challenge yeah definitely yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially when you've got you know hilltops tumba based on our doorstep producing yeah. some really really pristine fruit from growers who have been doing it for 20 30 years now um, there's so many amazing wines coming from that region that people are buying in different companies. Mm. Yeah, the, the Nebbiolo coming from that you guys make as well, coming from Hilltops, is, is just spectacular. Mm. Almost everyone who's making a wine from those those grapes from that vineyard have, have made a, a really highly rated wine. Mm. So mm. it'd be um, almost a shame not to to buy some grapes in there and make some wine if you're I know. making wine around here. We find too, like when you we get a lot of phone calls from people now during vintage, and they're like do you want Fiano? And we're like, mm. of course we do. You know, like yeah. it's really hard to say no to yeah. these opportunities because we love we love doing new things too. We mm. love having new wine um, to, to drink and to sell. But, yeah, like once you sort of start working with different growers, new opportunities present themselves too. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. Cool. Andy, any questions about wine? I think someone's covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Drink it. Um, so, okay, well, like, going back, I guess, when you were explaining about the sort of journey of Cupid's, the the initial growth is, like, a huge thing. So you go from Griff wanting to 
get his hands dirty again. Mm-hmm. And and then Rosie saying, the "Why don't we start a winery?" And then all of a sudden, you're a restaurant owner and and you're a cellador, cellador, and you're one of the only places like in your area that's that that type of you know destination, um, and very busy and all that sort of stuff like that. Yet, you guys, how long ago did you decide to become a brewery? As well. uh, so we opened Cupid Craft Brewers in 2014. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you le- so things had at least the opportunity to settle down into a into a you know manageable structure for a while sort before of, yeah. sort of, <laughs> or or is it just something that <laughs> hospitality people are inclined to do, which is just it, despite how th- the sea that they're drowning in, yeah. they, they just want to add new stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the thing about winemaking is that it's a vintage, um, and we sort of thought, oh well, we've got the rest of the year. Um, but then once you start brewing, you need to brew all the time as well. Um, so at first we thought, yeah, we can manage this because Wally loves, like he was really into home brew and he really wanted to be a brewer. Um, so we're like, yeah, we can do this, and we decided to in a very quick um, business meeting, just like, do you think we should do this? Yeah, let's do this. All right. Um, no real business planning around it. Um, it because, sorry, we got a little grant. I put in an application to do the brewery through a, a tourism grant. And, yeah, right. And at first they said we were unsuccessful, but then someone else was unsuccessful. So they rang up and said, you've come through on the second round, but you need yeah. to decide now type thing. So we were like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to, yeah. to that. So, um, yeah, at first Wally was doing the brewing and the winemaking and then it just became too big a juggle. We kept running out of beer and um, and he just naturally just started really focusing and gravitating towards the winemaking. So we hired a brewer um, and started to... That's sort of the first time we got someone else in to produce something because mm. we've always done it within the family. Who's that? Who looks after the beers? Um, so it's now um, Liam Jackson. Um, at that time, it was another friend, Trevor, who's down at um, Bridge Road Brewers. Yeah, um, but yeah, Liam's been with us for over a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, and he, yeah, he was up in Sydney looking for that sea change, I guess. Um, just about to start a new family, so... Um, yeah, we met up with him and seemed like a good fit for us. He's very technical, like really, you know, has studied brewing at university and yeah. all that. So it's very good timing to uh, pick up someone like that because it's kind of what you always you always want being down in the region. Like, oh, you just want that person to who wants to move from Sydney, yeah. mm. who's got all this experience. But that timing like rarely happens. Yeah, absolutely, that's the timing thing. Like when we, mm. you know, you chat to people and they're just like, I want that. But mm. not now. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like we're, I, we're looking at moving down. We're, look, we're looking, looking around. It's so cheap down here. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm. And then what you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was really good. Um, and then you know, it's been wonderful because we train all our staff to have opportunities to work in the different areas. Brings a lot to the business. And one of the guys that works with us at behind the bar just started really gravitating towards the brewery. Just loved it. So passionate. Mm. And then we could start giving him more shifts in there. And then he's now become our assistant brewer and he's, you know, just loving it. Mm, that's cool. So it's created this career path for him that he didn't even know existed in his life, mm-hmm. um, which I think brewing can do that to people. Was, it, was there ever like a uh, – and I guess when it comes to sort of applying for a tourism grant or something like mm. that, is there – did you guys have this sort of – 
long-term vision in a sense for Cupid's to be a place that encapsulated so many different things like like the thought of you know you've already got your cellar door and your restaurant and that beautiful view and you can go there and have a nice drink but you know that thought of having your own beers on tap available you know in the afternoons for people to have it or, or to have with their dinner or whatever and then adding adding cheese and that sort of thing was there ever a, a grand vision and and you're adding towards it or was it just adding things one by one no grand vision, but I think always aware of the potential and the opportunities of being in such a um, high volume tourist area for one. But also, I think like if you and you have met Rosie Cupid, my mother-in-law, she's one of the most passionate people, and they really business planning is not their expertise, but like just being really risk taking and entrepreneurial and just going for it is and that's where you know sometimes you it pays off and sometimes it doesn't but you get stuff done if you have that mindset mm. and i think that that is what is quite infectious is that she's just like let's do it mm. let's go for it and really supported the boys in following their passions and and then just that's how that's how stuff has happened mm. more than a grand vision but i think having um having our location and having a, a lot of people wanting to relax and go out and have a good time um the beer was a really good fit for that Mm. um because it it took away the pretentious winery thing Mm. all of a sudden it was like let's go somewhere and have a beer and look at this great view Mm. um it wasn't like oh i'm not into wine i don't want to do cellar door stuff like it just opened up a Mm. whole new market yeah it just kind of relaxes it a bit more doesn't it totally yeah with the deck there the are you doing it uh, so there's quite a wide range of beers. We, uh, at the moment, we only have six on tap at any one time because of the bar. Um, five um, taps and one hand pump, English style. Um, uh, but then we do loads of specialties that we put into bottle as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we can do some cool stuff because it's a winery and a brewery. So at vintage time, we do like co-ferments. So yeah, they're yeah. wine beer hybrids. Um, and they'll go in the bottle and they can sort of sit there in the fridge. Um we did barley wine, and then every season there's a, a seasonal sort of beer. We mm. do also like a fresh hop beer with some hops down in Bamboka, near Bega. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, just, you know, usually just trying to create new products and something else to keep everyone interested too. Yeah. Beer's kind of almost going through a problem recently of that everyone wants a new beer, especially kind of like beer, beery people. Mm. Absolutely. Hop heads, I think they get referred to. Mm. Um, is that a term? I think it's a term. I think, yeah, hop heads. Um, I've well, just made it up. If I made it up, no, I'm, I think I'm, it's I'm, right. I'm, I'm, Damn it, trade market. Um, <laughs> but they, they're just wanting new beer because it is quite not easy, but it's quick to turn around a new beer. It's always like need to release a new beer to keep selling stuff. Mm. I think that's um, something that yeah, that brewers are getting a bit annoyed at is that they, their, their core range isn't moving. But mm. as soon as you release a new one, everyone wants to come taste that new one. Then they got to do a new one, and you kind of got to constantly evolve like that. Yeah, you go to a bottle shop now and look in the fridge and mm. it's just like rainbow central yeah. and yeah. so many different things yeah, out like there. every time I go to a bar around here that someone's got like, have you tried the new cucumber <laughs> Kolsch? And you're like, no, <laughs> I'll give it a go. It's a new brewery. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a raspberry stout. And you're like, yeah. right, cool. Mm. Okay. Um, how, what's, what's the sort of breakup between the amount of beer that um, is sort of served served out of the bar and 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 put into bottle and distributed 
Mm, so we've started to do canning runs with East Coast Canning coming in to sort of get all those core ranges in cans and then we hand bottle our own. So I think it's usually, it depends on the like the, the need, like how things are selling too. Like we do a New England IPA and we had that all in keg and um, in the bottle as well and the bottles just flew out the door. So we're like, all right, let's, you know, take some more packaged beer. Um, packaged beer is great because... Um, Obviously, it means people that are drink, drinking and driving, not obviously over the limit. <laughs> they can, you know, they can take those higher alcohol beers yeah. home and try them at home, which is quite good. But you know, obviously, the margins are in selling beer on site, like mm. kegs of beer. How much? Like, do you, do you have many retailers and stuff outside of Cube? It's like what? No, no. So we like this the local bottle shops. Yeah. Um, Molly McFine Wines and um, Justin Lilling Berry. They are the primary people i think for the for the beer um but then we have quite a few different restaurants and stuff that oh, okay we supply the siebel in kayama we're always sending them beers um not so many wollongong oh actually i think um the howling wolf guys have got some beer at the moment which is cool mm. um but yeah i like for i think for the beer you know it being such a, a busy market out there um, you know, if we were to have a vision for that, it would be that we're really known on the south coast for beer. Mm. So if you're in Wollongong or in Jeringong or in Sentia or whatever, you'd get a Cupid's Craft beer. Mm. That would be ideal for us to just focus on that little quadrant. We don't really want to break into Sydney or Canberra where it's mm. quite saturated. Mm. It's quite a kind of um, a good advertise the space having your beers and having your wines around yeah oh it's well, the best it's a, yeah it's a double edged thing where yeah. people might go have a beer ask about it or have a wine ask about it and then end up visiting you yeah mm. for well. sure so it's kind yeah, of like having, having every other hospitality business advertise your business it's, it's pretty sneaky it's good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helps your reputation a lot I um like one thing that I like about your well, I don't know maybe it's just like this psychological kind of like branding thing but I think a winery that then starts producing beer there's this kind of like artisanship branding that goes along with the beer because mm. you're already winemakers like you're not just some ripped jean wearing hipster from Newtown who's making you know marshmallow IPA or whatever like because that's it's not, cool that's not a thing <laughs> <laughs> like wait, and I, look I don't want to shit on I don't want to shit on ripped jean hipster wearers from Newtown but like there's just a di- it's a different it's a different brand mm. like kind of thing and I think that there's a strength that comes along with that yeah the, like the fact that you guys are winemakers and then now you're mm. making business as sort of like an artisanship that, and yeah that that attention to quality and detail that comes with already being an established winemaker that sort of works really nicely and like like you say um works really well in restaurants i think like as mm. well like seeing seeing your beers on the menu of other restaurants around the region mm. really cool i think i haven't obviously on the lines like a lot of breweries just noticed in this last vintage you've been going up to wineries and buying people's barrels and mm. getting skins grape skins from various people so have yeah like that's um pretty on, on trend at the moment so having that right there yeah is there's a few things you've like we've got to be careful with the beer that no Britannomyces yeah, goes yeah, in the winery yeah. and all that as well but then you can use your bread up barrels for a few beer as well yeah so look, we, yeah we do lots of barrel aged beers and stuff mm. yeah, yeah it's good it's cool um all right well then so that's the beer and then um rosie decided at some point as well that she wanted to be a cheesemaker mm-hmm. um Again, is that just Rosie, just being Rosie? Yeah. 
Yeah. Definitely. Who's <laughs> the worst, worst retirees? Oh, yeah, I know. I know. So doing nothing. Just, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. I think for I think that particularly it's the most laborious um, job. Cheese making, like again, winemaking. I think she was finding, you know, moving around the barrels and doing all that was quite strenuous, mm. and it was time um, to do something a little bit less physical. Um, but she still has got endless amounts of energy um, and always really wanted to do this cheese project, like really was keen to do it. At first they were going to um, milk their own sheep as well, which unfortunately didn't happen. Um, but, the yeah, the, the idea was that she would um, build this little cheese cheese room and do cheese-making classes and all of that. But it just it, it ends up being a beast in itself because... Mm. You don't have that much spare time um, because, yeah, the process of cheese making um, also involves, yeah, turning the cheese and salting the cheese and rubbing the cheese and singing to the cheese and all sorts of things that take a lot longer than you expect. And I think at the end of the day, like, that product deserves a lot more respect than it probably gets Mm. out there for the amount of effort that goes goes into it. But you are a bit limited... um, with cheese, it's you know it's got a shelf life, um, and it's it's a it's a tricky product in that way. And you don't like it's really time consuming to package it all up and all of that mm. as well. So you need to go to the market where you can cut to order, and there's really like a lot of sales around it that are quite tricky as well. But she just went to France and Italy and has these mentors and makes amazing cheese. Mm. Like it's delicious. It tastes like European cheese with plenty of flavor mm. unlike some australian cheeses out there um yeah it's a, it's a wonderful product but it has its challenges in distribution mm. so you guys just mainly through the restaurant and through markets and things like that yeah or, yeah. yeah so there's a few restaurants that's um that have it on their cheese board and a couple of shops in the southern highlands and things but yeah, it's one of those things we basically have to deliver it ourselves when we do it. Mm. Um, so, which, you know, is fine if the timing's right. And then once you sort of fall off, um, like, fall off the radar because you can't get it to them in time, then they've got to get something else in. Mm. Um, of course, you can work with a, dis- a distributor, but, like, then you're making cheese for free. Like, mm. the margins are so slim. So, mm. But the product, I mean, the product is... Is amazing and mm. it really suits our brand of being, you know, having the wine and the cheese. And we do lots of beer and cheese things as well. Like it all, it all makes sense when you're at Cupid's, but um, yeah, it has a bit of a challenge in terms. And it, that's a regional thing. Like even our beer, it's a challenge, you know, to get it to everyone in time because you can't pay for a delivery guy to take a keg. Like yes. It's, mm. 80 bucks delivery. Well, I think that on the South Coast in general, anywhere from anywhere south of the Royal National Park, so anywhere from, you know, up in Scandal Park down to wherever, it's distribution that's the thing that's tough. It's, mm. and, and and you guys experience that. I know, Andy, you, you can't even get stuff from Sydney to Wollongong and, and, yeah. and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, same, same with us. Like we, were, <coughs> we were going up to pick up all our meat once a week yeah. to start wow. with until we managed to work something out. <coughs> we're using and yeah, we still we still you know, have to go up and pick stuff up from time to time. Like trying to do a run to the airport to get something that was air freighted, but well, it was from Arnhem Land, so that's probably a little bit. <laughs> but still, but yeah, it was just the co- the cost for it to get it delivered, to get picked up in the airport by Corian oh. down here 
was just stupid. So we're just like, well, fuck, we'll just drive up and get it then. Mm. Yeah, and it, it, it's time consuming. But it's frustrating when you get comments where people go, "Oh, they're charging Sydney prices." Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. "Do you know how easy it is to get good things yeah, in Sydney?" Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that, that argument's always been some of the worst oh, ones. It's like, yeah. like they don't, we don't pay less for stuff because we're down here. We don't, <laughs> pay, like, our, we don't pay our staff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awards the award. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. award. It's two dollars cheaper. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not like that. Like gas is oh, like electricity and cheaper. Gas is cheaper. Like nothing's really cheaper. Rent possibly. But yeah, the whole yeah, thing is like but the, the audience is way smaller too. Well, yeah, 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 exactly. So you know, if you like Wollongong show, Wollongong prices should be more in a lot of senses. Mm. <laughs> We've got to cover the quiet nights. Do the um, any of the chefs you mentioned, sort of giving the guys opportunities within all the little things you do down there? Well, not not so little things, I guess. Mm. But um, do any of the chefs jump in and help with the cheese making? Yeah, so, yeah, and I, one of the, I suppose one of the struggles with that at the beginning was our make days were Monday, Tuesday, and we used to be open Wednesday to Sunday. We're now open seven days a week, um, and that's one of the reasons why we sort of grew our team, I guess. Um, we've, got, we've got a really big team of chefs, and I think that was to give those opportunities for people to move around and spend a bit of time in the garden or the brewery or the cheese room mm. um, or the wine or the winery. Um, that was really at the core of one of those decisions when we think about bringing on a new team member. It just frees people up to be able to move around. Um, it doesn't happen as much as we'd like it to happen, but it does, it does happen and it, it has a really wonderful effect on menu development and creativity when people actually the process but the other thing is they help improve the process like even you know our brewer spent a day in the cheese room and being so technical and process minded he's like oh should you maybe do it this or that you know like everyone can add so much Mm. so for sure yeah and educating staff I guess about the the products that you do by actually being hands on totally super important I think that's really that's something that um, Moon Acres do up in the highlands they Mm. get all their staff from the cafe spend one day a week on the farm and sort of rotate out of that, which is really cool as well. I'd happily do that day off. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just to learn. I used to do that stuff when I was an apprentice on the day off. Like going you were a winery as well, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, when I was in for the first three years and then I was in a place like did a lot of, had like a seafood wholesaler underneath and I used to just get them to save me a like Sydney market tub of flathead so I could go and skin it yeah. after work. But then I could skin the shit out of the fish. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Break down a whole fish, and now yeah. it's a real, and that's a really good skill to have when you're like a third year apprentice. Yeah. Mm. Fourth year, well, yeah, I think there's only two years in apprenticeship now, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they do that anymore. Three weekends apprentice. in a row, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's another. <laughs> so, Libby, look, I guess what I wanted to get to in like a sort of a general discussion is the idea of like progression. I think that um, it seems it seems that what uh you guys do down there like uh, the adding of the cheese and the and the beer and 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 those sorts of additions come from just a genuine interest in in these sorts of things and an mm-hmm. entrepreneurial spirit um is there any is there any thought that all right we want to um we want to we want to progress and we want to keep adding these new things as a part of our business model to make it more profitable like is there any of that type of motivation as well because i know that you know in in other areas and you guys might comment on this and stuff you guys 
will get left behind if if you don't progress your businesses and continue and continue to sort of innovate like is that or or yeah, I mean, what would you say sort of that balance mm. is between adding to your business model and making it more profitable and making it more of a destination and just doing it because you guys wanted to do it? Um, like, are there areas that you've added that haven't been profitable or haven't been a, a good... Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 100%. I'd say that it's been more... It's more of a challenge than anything is to give every department enough time and consideration and you know, where to direct um, your marketing and everything. It's really hard. But we find, um, you know, I'm always um, saying, now, you know, our unique thing is we <coughs> make our beer, wine, cheese, have this amazing kitchen garden, we grow beef. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm talking and talking and I sound like one of those multi-cuisine Asian restaurants or something. Yeah. like you're mm. just trying to sort of spreading yourself too wide sometimes and it'd be really nice sometimes to just go oh i'm just a restaurant i'm going to focus on that but we've sold ourselves and pitched ourselves as being sort of your one-stop shop to south coast produce and wine and um and that's you know that's a really unique thing but it's very much a challenge to give everything um the energy it needs Mm. to grow that department and to understand everyone's needs as a manager of that department too so we've got like in summer we had 80 staff Mm -hmm. so that's a lot of people management Mm -hmm. um and a lot of expectations to manage of where you're heading that person's interests as well and how it fits into the bigger picture and i think that that's what's been our biggest challenge over the last couple of years with the growth is just how um how we can share share those different levels of resources that go into having to to pitch our different products mm. none of the none of the departments like uh, and the things that you've kind of ventured into and, and created a, a small things either mm. it's like cheese you know is a whole nother world you want to have, and I've walked through the garden, like it, it's big, it's beautiful, like, but to look after that and maintain it and be able to make the produce good is a whole nother, like, kettle of fish again. Beer, yeah, like, you need the right people. Yeah. And, and as you say, you need to sort of give them the time um, and the resources they need to make it, you know, a, a, like a good product. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point? And yeah, it must be a massive challenge to, to sort of keep the consistency up and, um, hmm. and keep that keep that quality there and keep it going and keep people focused and interested yeah and i think we've also got like like the restaurant's been going for 12 years it's pretty it's it produces amazing food it highlights all the gorgeous stuff for the garden everything's really kind of that's you know it might do up to 100 covers per service it's very consistent it's been that thing for quite some time but everything else it requires for instance, our casual offering, that is the biggest challenge we have. How do we get all those people that are coming out sometimes, it's 800 people on a Sunday, how do we give them a great experience too? How do they walk away going, oh, I tried Cupid's beautiful food from the garden and their wine and cheese? Because like, they're all, they're all visiting for the first time or mm. the second time and they are all probably got expectations like the same as the people in the dining room so 
trying to. It's always a challenge scaling stuff. Well, that's always our thing when we do. I mean, 50 seat restaurants, as soon as we go anything above 60, we're like, oh, fuck, how do we keep the consistency? Mm. Because we know it, it's our name on something, it's our product. So even if we're doing a function for 350, what we do is and how we do it, that's that's the most important decisions we make to try and do something that people are still going to be like, holy shit, that's really good. Mm. Yeah. And doing it at, you know, in different price points is hard as well, trying to do the same consistency in the same standard of food mm. at you know, different levels and that's always the thing when your name's on it you've got to make sure it, it hits the marks if you are doing pizza on a Sunday it's still going to be pizza where people go oh this shit that's really good pizza mm. it can't just be like you know, flinging out shitty pizzas mm. to feed the masses because those people won't come back like so they have expectations if they yeah. go they go oh that cubism is rubbish they might have had the, the cheapest thing you do <laughs> but they'll still judge you based on that Yeah. so you do kind of have no matter what people are paying you can have one chance to get mm. them to come back to your venue and, and that's pretty key so what like going back to sort of the idea of progressing a business obviously Cupid's has opportunity to expand into different things that you guys don't just because they've got the space um, how do you guys firstly actually what like when it comes to progressing for you guys do you think it's motivated by is it motivated by just because it's something you want to do in, in a similar way to some of the things that Cupid's are doing? Or is it also, do you feel like, or, or do you feel like there's an expectation that you're constantly progressing and you feel like you have to have to progress, you know, your menu, your restaurant, your service, all those, your wine list, all those sorts of things to, to keep up with the, the market and the expectations of the market? I think ours is always based on we need to make enough money to do exactly what we want to do. Right. Because we don't tend to, like, do something just to make money, as it were. It's not like we'll do, oh, we'll, we'll change this menu. Like, we're going to keep pushing and putting stuff on the menu, which is probably a bad idea in a lot of ways. <laughs> and a lot of changes we're going to make is we think that's going to be the better experience, but we could alienate some people by doing that. All, you know, all these things. So we try and look at stuff where we can, we can basically progress in a way that's going to make us more money to allow us to to do progress more do, well yeah yeah in a kind of really sort of cynical way um, so things things like doing more outside events is something we've, we've done in the last this, this year actually heaps more so doing things like that where we can um, you know, use our names it will, as it were use our reputation to do things at other places whether it's weddings or conferences or all these things they're, they're quite um, you know the, very, very, very viable financially to do, mm. and that just allows us to to be able to you know, keep doing whatever the fuck we want in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that is kind of where we're trying trying to head. Um, so most of our decisions are rare, especially in, in the restaurant from the kind of Tuesday to Saturday dinner service are, are rarely led by money. Probably the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, trying to do other things around, like you know, doing the cookery school, something like that. Like like that's just a good way to get people in can see what we do in the kitchen they're probably going to come back for dinner um, and we make some money off it mm. you know if in a, in a you know, really I'd like rather spend my Sundays doing something else as fun as they can be <laughs> um, but you know we do them so then we can afford to put magpie goose on the menu at $80 per <laughs> yeah okay right Andy why what's your sort of you know mentality when it comes to progressing your restaurant um, I think it's for us it's just a genuine interest in what we're doing and becoming better at it I think like and now that we're 
three years old, like I think I finally, you know, I'm pretty happy with where we've gotten to in that in that time space and, and the development. Like it's it's definitely an organic development, um, but sort of, I guess personally, like I've tried to see it more as like a whole experience, like from the dining room to the wine shelf to our beers, like it and the whole menu, like the restaurant as a whole, progressing that rather than just the food. Um, with that come, like comes heaps of different challenges. But like I think, like Simon said, it's <laughs> a lot of the time it's definitely not. Like we're trying to do what we want to do, not what we think people want us to do. And whether, it, like, I mean, sometimes people would say that's probably business suicide. But mm. I think we've de- developed um, a bit of a reputation. Like people know that they will come in and have eat something that they're just not going to really get at many other places definitely not in Wollongong mm. um, and I, I definitely I, I like to think sort of Simon and Tom and myself we do have that same approach mm. in like a, a different way um, yeah it's not, not based on money it's based on you know doing what we see the kind of goal is and see what our vision is um but also that kind of thing that that limits other opportunities as well because we do put so much time in the kitchen and in, in the actual restaurant and then trying to do other things um, can be hard like you know, even things like we're going to last Christmas we're talking about doing little hampers and we're like oh we'll do this lamb strami or do some <laughs> emu pastrami all these little cold cuts and we can put wine in it if it's, if it's a hamper apparently you can sell wine clothes if it's in a hamper and we're doing things and it's got to Christmas and it was like oh fucking time for that shit too much mm. but we're, we're, yeah, we'd have probably would have you know, sold a fair few of them and, and, and made some good money but it just really wasn't just time for us to do it um, but also I think that might just be you know, we're just into our third year now so it's something as time progresses and we get more comfortable and you know, we get busier as it were um, they're things we can do and I think I think they're interesting things there's all kind of almost like side hustles for a restaurant mm. um, I can't imagine we'll be starting so that's your making facility it's the cheese room of Caveau. Yeah. It's the hamper room. The hamper well, yeah, room. Just, or the, yeah. The, the, again, the it's, it's yeah. one of those ones where it's like we, they, they, we can put together a cool little hamper and we we'll make It's a good there. idea, man. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, like Byers would do it. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, okay. I stole it from memory. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Byers. Thanks, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it takes so much more than you. Every time it's like, oh, then it's the packaging and it's in the yeah, hamper. Yeah. 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 I think another thing for us is like, like me personally, and like I just, I just want to feel like in one year it's I can look back and say we're way better than we were last mm. year and next week I want to say oh we're doing this better than we did last week mm. all the time mm. and it's pretty fucking draining but like that's just me as a person mm. in anything I do mm. like I just you know have always like, just buried myself in it yeah. and, um, I guess something like if you look at like not just Babyface, but like from where you started, it kind of has been that progression of adding different things anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, even with the, the food truck, mm. you know, that was an add on from the For start. Sure. Which, For sure. um, you know, it was moved into something else. So, do I you guess your kind of uh, your path has been a bit like that? Mm, it's been anyway. very, I mean, yeah, we just didn't, we didn't have backers. Yeah. We've, we've like, I physically built that restaurant with, with my brother in law and yeah. Jen's dad. I've been walking past for like two weeks it was a show <laughs> like you boys fucking still here oh man I go yeah. past you in the morning and walk past you at midnight seven days a week mm. we, yeah. you both had a weird look in your eyes do yeah. you I was very tired I was like I started walking on the side of the road towards the end like, <laughs> not fucking going past there again is he going to throw that jackhammer at me <laughs> <laughs> is there like is there a 
do you guys ever go through the sort of thought process that if you aren't like because you guys are sort of at the forefront of cuisine as it were in Wollongong or or, or food food culture sort of that the people sort of progressing the most do you at all rationalize the the sort of progression by thinking food culture in this city is going to be shit if we aren't the ones pushing it and you know like and you guys I know that when I was doing the book you guys were the most keen on getting involved in the Illawarra cookbook because you wanted to see food culture in Wollongong be showcased and and for it to you know become something um you know that people that people cared about Mm. do you like do you ever use that as a like is, is, is that something that sits in the back of your mind or is it mostly you're just kind of focused on progressing your restaurant and how you want to? Uh, mix of, I think anything we... If there's any, ever an opportunity to do something with other people or get involved in something that's happening in Wollongong, we will always try and jump on board. Um, like with Scotty's thing with the good, uh, Goodwill Only. Yeah. Um, we chatted to him about the other night and we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll do a couple of nights. Like, I'll, I'll do that opening night with you. I'll, yeah, I'll help you with that and do all these things. Um, but what about when it comes to sort of progressing your own menu and things like that? Do you, do you think about the sort of the, the future of food culture in Wollongong when it comes to how you guys... Because I think that... I personally think that, like, if you guys weren't doing what you're doing and progressing and being talked about in a way of having restaurants doing interesting things in Wollongong, then food culture stagnates in a city. Uh, yeah. You know? yeah so, so you are, like... Whether or not you do it from the motivation, like having that sitting in the back of your mind, or that it's just a product of you guys doing what you do, like yeah, it's still I there. A little bit of both, hey. Bit yeah, of both. I, I think right, we ever rethink of us. <coughs> like obviously, it does have an effect of us being on the forefront. It helps everyone else because we, we're trying to. We, you know, we, if, as much as anything, we we look at the national stage to kind of see where we are and to judge ourselves. Um, but having that mentality, I think, is, is good for Wollongong. I think that's actually what more people in Wollongong and this area need to do, mm. is rather than looking at like you know who's across the road and what they're doing. Look, look, you know, look, look at a bigger picture. Like let's aim to be, you know, nationally recognised, not just be like the best in Wollongong. Mm. Like we think we need to actually like think a little bit bigger picture. Um, mm. But I guess like, people have to do, people have to be the, the first. People have to you know lead the way. Like you know, imagine, like I said, when when, when Cubits first opened, there was nothing else down there. And I imagine that's led to a lot of other people being able to open places around there and for, for suppliers to, to get bigger because they've got, you know, you've got you know, more customers and things like that. So it all kind of has a knock-on effect. Someone's um, got to stick their neck out. Yeah, exactly. Do it yeah. as well. You know, yeah, our, set, set a lot of things we've done, <laughs> there's been times when things we've done hasn't, haven't been wonderfully received. Mm. Um, not everyone's... Podcast. <laughs> I, just, yeah. one I don't know but like at the end of the day I think you've just got to keep doing what I think I think to add to Simon's point people should definitely be able to do like what they what they are passionate about and what they really want to do within their business and and maybe sometimes I think people need to sort of realize that if they just do it it will it will be well received yeah. because people are looking for something. They're not always looking for the same thing everywhere. Yeah. Um, I people can like, get. It's hard when it's it's money driven. You know, you yeah. got to pay your staff, you got to pay your bills, and you need people coming through the door to do so. And people have different ways of making that happen. Yeah, mm. I always think like if you, I kind of see places like like bars will have like really good cocktails, really good beer, and then just average wine. 
Mm. And then you say, oh, why well, wouldn't we like, change your wine this afternoon? Like, we don't sell much wine. And it's like, well, if you don't have, if you don't have good wine... <laughs> good reason for Yeah, that. exactly, yeah. And yeah. Then, so like, I, I'm big thing of like, if, if you do a good product, the people who like that product are just more likely to come for you and then you will sell it more. So I think, mm. you know, and, and if, if you have that mentality, like, and I think it's happening with wine around Wollongong. You can oh. get a good glass of wine in most bars in Wollongong now. And, and it's not just the you know, the two dollar bottle they're selling for eight dollars a glass mm. anymore. Um, so I think that progression has been led by you know, by ourselves, Babyface, Crosby, mm. um, because people have that expectation of getting a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, I think like you know, if you make cheese, people will eat it. <laughs> I think I think we've also done a really good job. Like I don't talk about two smoking barrels much because yeah, you know, I, I am there behind the scenes, but my focus is our restaurant, Babyface, but. You know, like, no one else is doing that. Mm. People have tried, mm. but it's fucking hard work. You know, Gav starts at 2.30 on a Sunday morning, you know, finishes at 5 in the Arvo yeah. a lot of the time. Um, and to do it properly and to do that brisket and the pork and everything every day and have it, like, you know, nothing gets reheated. It's all cut and used that day. Um, it's really hard and... I think the progression, you know, of our business has had a lot to do with, with that side as well. I'm lucky mm. I've got a business partner like Gav who's willing to work so hard and, mm. and be so particular about um, the product down there. And I think that's also another thing that's really good for Wollongong. We had a lot of a lot of Sydney people coming down. You know, the barbecue world's a very different world, a bit like barbecue yeah. nuts, <laughs> like the hop heads, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, well, what's the term we have a lot of Sydney heads. people come. <laughs> heat, heat heads. I don't know. What are they co- you don't know. I've got no idea. Would we gather? Yeah, yeah. We're Yeah, that's Gav. Talking to the microphone, Gav. No, but I, yeah. think, I think yeah, that's been a, a you know that's definitely added to progression of of the food scene mm. in Wollongong because yep. it's added another thing that's um pretty hard to execute. Yeah, well. I think with the, with the truck, like I was saying, with the wines when it gets to move around and be in different venues and different things, that's just good advertising for you and for Wollongong as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. Yeah, so Libby, let's like I want to sort of ask you the same question. Like, what? How do you see, or how does how is some of your decision making informed by the ability to foster food culture in your region? Um, it's it's been, I guess, something that we've always um, had a big consideration for. I think when we realised a few years ago. You know, we've got Rick Stein in town, so mm. that really helps put, um, put our region on the map for food. He's got a little bit of a following. Mm. Um, so when he talks about the seafood of uh, the South Coast, um, you know, those videos are far-reaching. So mm. we've been able to sort of um, be very fortunate in that way. We've got um, quite a few good restaurants and cafes that are all got similar philosophies, I guess, as well, like respecting local produce and putting, um, you know, having kitchen gardens. Um, and I think that that's, that was a real reason for us to all get together and go, okay, um, let's get food tourism or food culture on the map for our region. Mm. We started a organisation. Uh, it took years to put together um we called it south coast food alliance um and we did events together and we really you know tried to put a, put a lot of resources and time into trying to really build that up um but as as a nature of having a restaurant a hospitality business we all just ran out of 
time, like to really keep going. <laughs> We've and been talking about doing an event for a year or something like yeah. that as well. <laughs> Fine, no like, if you go and find me someone to organise it, yeah. we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But there's just so much um, around it. And like Shoalhaven Tourism's really good. We work with them quite closely and Destination New South Wales. And we understand that um, those organisations have a real... Um, strategic objective to put food and wine culture up there for to, to drive the visitor economy I guess so mm. we've been able to piggyback a bit there um, and get some good PR um, and and also check in with them of you know what we should be doing helps with getting some funding here and there as well um, so I'm not sure about Wollongong's council objectives for food tourism but that's been really helpful for our area having that bigger body support mm. yeah. doing lots of media campaigns and all of that as well so do you do you see a lot of sort of food tourism like like you know specifically people who just come to cupids or come to your area for food and wine experiences yeah yeah right okay yeah cool because it's it's always hard to like I don't know I'm going to think out loud here but it seems like positioning a, a region as a, a food and wine destination like I think one thing like the the closest place here that really stands out is the Southern Highlands mm-hmm. because of its maybe its like agricultural history and maybe history in general but definitely a place like Biota like having a a, a, a two hat like you know really nationally recognised restaurant in a place is seems to be something that brings a lot of people to a place as a destination mm. and is that like yeah, well, how do you how do you kind of see yourselves? Because I know that you guys are, have now got like accommodation underway and things like that. Do you? Because I think, yeah, like I mean, yeah. How do you, how do you look at sort of progressing your business or or, or or whatever to to be that sort of destination experience? Like obviously, yeah, you've got the help of the council and stuff like that, which is great. And it's great to see that you are experiencing specific specifically sort of like food and wine tourism and stuff like that but are you doing other other stuff to sort of position yourself as that destination experience yeah so i think the um the big thing that we've realized in terms of getting new business um is the the experience market and that's Mm. what the the tourism bodies will really try to push you to go down if you want to get um and, you know, places like Biota are really successful in that as well. They've got great proximity to Sydney, um, so they get a lot of people just coming for a day trip where we are not necessarily a day trip, maybe a day trip for Wollongong, mm. um, but not a day trip for Sydney so much. So we've got to look at ways we can get them um, here for the weekend or for a couple of days. So it can be partnering with other accommodation suppliers. It's it's coming up with different experiences. So it's solving their problems. They're like, okay, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do the tour. I'm going to have my three-course meal with paired wines and then we're going to have this cheese board. Or mm. Like just packaging things up really helps make people think it's a food and wine experience rather than just a dining experience. So do you, do you put, do you sort of like work with other businesses as well? So sort of say you're putting that experience together for someone that's there for the weekend. Okay, we'll go to Torwood for breakfast and then come to Cupid's in the afternoon and have a pizza or, or you yeah. know, and, and what sort of 
collaboration with other businesses to make that experience of your region because a beautiful thing about where you are like the Milton Ulladulla area is is the food mm. like it really is that you you know um, through Sinisador and Tallwood and Milkhouse and you guys and some and Bannisters and the other businesses like you can spend a week down there and have a fantastic meal every every meal mm. you know it's 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 a really cool little south coast hub and it's kind of the population as well yeah exactly mm. like yeah it's not huge so do you, do you guys collaborate with other businesses in order to sort of make that to fill that weekend out yeah i mean that was the intention of south coast food alliance really was we've got a website be able to everyone can put their bits and pieces on there and people could have like create a little itinerary we were going to plan to do like a sort of thing where everyone you know you have like a coupon you buy a package and you sort of like have an opportunity to go to each place (coughs) the weekend it can just be like just too much for people though. Mm. But what we find is that we get a lot of return visitors because people go down and they go, I didn't get to that other place and I've heard by everyone that it's amazing. I really want to go there. Or, you know, and we get a lot of people that will come and dine with us one day and then come for pizzas the next. Right. Like they, they want to try both things. So yeah. it's having, a, I guess, a lot on offer really helps create a food and wine destination. We've got good produce with oysters. That helps, like, if you tie mm. in with partnering with the oyster guys, that helps a bit. Um, I mean, a big push for us, I think, being open seven days. I expected a lot more industry people to go, oh, okay, there's somewhere to go. Um, and we're trying to work with, yeah, the oyster guys to get industry people to come down and enjoy a Batemans Bay oyster experience and they can come to Cupid. So just trying to find little partnerships really help we do partner with banisters a bit um and yeah i think that sort of looking out and um and tying in with other businesses and just being cohesive in your message like just supporting each other taking that nasty competition away we've got a we've got a brewery that's been built in milton um at the moment and everyone's like oh no and we're like oh yes Mm. like couldn't be more excited it's going to only add that for the big guys, they're going to have another place to go to when they come. And we have another place to go to. Like, mm, you yeah. know, we want our town to be yeah. vibrant and have places to... Competition drives you as well. Oh, like, like, for sure. I think there's going to be like wrestling and laurels because it's the only fucking place you can get anything in town. Mm. Like, you, you want other people doing stuff so that it's going to spur you on, if anything. Mm. Yeah. I'll, I'll say as well, like, I've been getting down there a little bit more, um, like, recently... Um, just we came for a camp like two weeks ago just a mate a mate and myself um, at Maru Head mm. um, it's a good camping yeah, spot but though. like it's it not is. like an hour and it's an hour and 40 now yeah, like with quick. the with the bypass and they're building like once the Albion Park one's done mm. it's going to be like such a quick trip from Wollongong mm. and it's definitely like as far as like a little overnight trip or whatever, like for hospital people on a Sunday, come back Monday, it's mm. like so accessible. Yeah. Like, and if you don't, you know, if you get down, drive down there at the right time and miss, like, obviously don't go down there on Friday of the long weekend at 5 p.m. to the Kayama <laughs> Benz. Like, it, for, for me, like, as, yeah, in Hospo, up down there on mm. a Sunday, there's a great golf course, like, in um, Mollymook. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's heaps of golf courses. But, like, and then, yeah, you can come to you guys on a Sunday Arvo hang mm. out there stay somewhere like yeah. it's really accessible yeah. isn't it? it is really accessible yeah. Yeah. and it's like it's such a there's so many little spots to do do yeah. things down there whether it be a camp like I did or like and obviously one of my good mates Rob works for you um, he's, <laughs> he lives down there so it's nice to 
catch up with um, mm. it's, it's, it's interesting hey because I think um, you know what we're talking about and the idea of supporting local businesses and having more quality businesses around in a region makes that region thrive and this idea that like Comp, like being competitive and mm. things like that, you know, might be detrimental to the food culture of a place. It's like case in point when it comes to Milton Ulladulla area because, you know, over the last five, ten years or something like that, we've just seen more of these quality businesses open and now the place is recognisable as mm. a food destination and people go there to to eat at the, eat at the restaurants and enjoy the wines and mm. go, you know, you've got goat, goat, a goat farm goat cheese and things like that like yeah, um, yeah all those sorts of things so it's just yeah it's and it's a good... just beautiful yeah like, the beaches <laughs> are unbelievable yeah, it they're is. so and you know if you're into hiking or paddle boarding or mm. whatever like it's all just so accessible yeah what do you guys then are talking about Wollongong in the same way and, and sort of you know that sort of continued support of other businesses and things like i don't think we're you could say that we're necessarily on the map as a um food destination here what what are what are you what are your thoughts on our so, current position and where we could be going and how that could work i think i've said this before but Wollongong gets a little bit stitched up because we're we still count as regional so we're like in the good food guide for example it's new south wales regional but like isn't no man's land yeah, but yeah. Like, as far as we're, we're not the south coast we're not fucking northern beaches we're not southern highlands yeah. like we're in a city like we're, we're developed like you know is newcastle a, regional too yeah yeah exactly yeah but so but like you know we're not like we haven't got fucking gardens out the back growing stuff like we haven't got space for that we're on a on a strip in a heritage listed buildings we're very far from the biotas and the braes and the, you know mm. cubits and things like that when he's got these restaurants and these amazing settings so I think Wollongong has just been put as this regional centre and we're never going to be that regional food and wine destination we can be a small city on the beach destination and I was I was trying to push that we should be looking at being a gateway like like just saying it's like it's going to be an hour and a bit down to the south coast we're you know 45 minutes from southern highlands we're you know we've got all these amazing places I think Wollongong should be looking at trying to make it this is you come here and you stay here and you use this as the gateway to go to the south coast go to some islands because then everything is a day trip yeah create sure. an itinerary yeah, yeah. And, I, and yeah. I think but that's where we haven't got that coherent message but I feel like I mean Steph sort of you just mentioned a little while ago like we're kind of I guess at the forefront of driving Wollongong um, food to the restaurants you know by, mm. by doing the things that we do and, and we try to do like at Babyface, massive things with our collabs with Sydney people to kind of get a bit of spark of mm. interest down here. But I mean, I'd reach out to to council. Like I, I've been there three years, not one. I've never been contacted by council to say how how do you and Cavo think we should um, make this a bit more of a destination. No one's yeah. contacted me. Like I mean, I've got, I'm you know working my butt off to do mm. it. Mm. I feel like. Um, is it up to me to reach out to council to say how we can do it? Like they did reach out. <laughs> well, we, we've done. Didn't a, they? We've done. A, yeah, like we've done. But a, there's just no result. Yeah, like so we. You were there for that. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. We went for it. But um, but that that, that, that you know, so they spoke to you and then you said, hit us up. Yeah, probably. So like it wasn't even like the council. Was, yeah, the council. The council employed a private contractor to to assess. Um, um, cultural, tourism and cultural culture, tourism, cultural yeah. tourism in Wollongong, and then they was, asked, was that person from Wollongong? Or? They, actually, no, they did the campaign, so. and they worked for the council in Newcastle when they did a big campaign about okay. it. Yeah. So it was, it was all like, oh, cool. So they were spending some money on it and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But they were talking about like it wasn't just the food thing that they were talking about. They were talking about culture, you know, Nantian Temple, and like all these yeah. sorts of different 
cultural ideas and stuff like that. And yeah, me and Simon and Luke was Luke there at yeah. the meeting. Luke from Howling Wolf was ended up at the meeting, um, but we haven't seen anything out of it, yeah. and there hasn't been any direct contact yeah, from council yeah, about exactly. about that sort of thing. But I think that like one of the things is just you know like you were sort of mentioning before Andy is just like backing yourself in doing something unique and something that you're passionate about mm. and, 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 and something that you want to do because and, and the more the more of those types of businesses there are like the better in a way like the, yeah, we've got we've actually got fucking five breweries or something like that like in Wollongong so like yeah, people kind of do come here for little beer you know beer experiences yeah. and stuff like yeah. that so that's that's quite strong um we do have good restaurants. We've got a great wine bar, um, but maybe it's just maybe it's just a matter of people people continuing to sort of back themselves and and and, and move yeah. into that. I, I think you, like because you you've got to have good places doing good things before you can call yourself a food exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So for the first phase be good, yeah. yeah, and then after that you can start looking at the bigger picture. But I think we're I think we're Wollongong is getting to a point where again, obviously probably not a ever be known as a food and wine destination like the Highlands, Orange, South Coast. But we can definitely push ourselves as a, as a vibrant city with good dining and, and drinking options. And that's going to more the future of Wollongong, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've got such big opportunities having a university here. Is that, yeah, you know, exactly, the yeah. visiting friends and yeah, relatives I mean, to all those students. We see a lot of When mum and dad are going to pay, mm. come to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. The, the one, one interesting thing we did learn from that cultural tourism thing is they found that just the majority of people just literally bypass Wollongong yeah. on the way to the South Coast. Yeah. Um, and because 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 we're not you know I think also people in Sydney just see it this is almost like a small Sydney so they're like oh we've got some well it's always hard it's like yeah, it's I think that, it, I think the industrial history of a place like Wollongong as well makes yeah. it tough that's, that's like what yeah, yeah. Or, or, and and it's the same with Newcastle it's yeah. always hard to think of these sorts of cities as anything but you know having that industrial heritage whereas mm. you know I don't know maybe the northern suburbs and stuff like that like shed that shed that identity a bit um yeah yeah like i think that people sydney and stuff people think that austin mir and thorule are like the little the little cool cultural um and you know little foodie cafe homewares shoppy hubs yeah yeah, they either stop there and then go back Mm. or uh or keep going further the grand pacific drive though must bring people this way to scarborough that's and yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the view is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, stop. Sure. They just stop there. Yeah, yeah. That's their Wollongong stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to Wollongong. <laughs> mm. Um. All right. Well, look, we've done plenty of time. Um. Is there anything that like? you know, at, at this point that you guys want to add, I'll ask about events and stuff in a bit, but is there any other thoughts on sort of what we're talking about, progression and fostering food culture and collaborating with other businesses? Anything else you want to talk about, Libby? No, no, no I think... No, you guys? We covered a good amount. All right, good. cool. Let's, um, let's wrap up. Do you, we, we didn't do events last time we did it. What, um, what, what have you guys sort of got going on at Cupid's at the moment, sort of event-wise and, you know, new... I know you're renovating your kitchen and you're putting yeah. in some accommodation and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a bit of a busy time, I guess. Um, we like we do live music every Sunday. So every Sunday from 12.30 to about 3.34 o'clock, we have um, music. Um, Tommy on the trumpet. Tommy on the trumpet, yeah. My husband's in a band. He gets <laughs> a few gigs. Um, yeah, so we have... And what we've found... Um, like, we've just recently come off having crazy Easter and crazy Mother's Day 
Um, and what we did, there's a local band that Tom was in as well called the Swaggers who... Great um, band. Great band. Uh, yeah. They wrapped up and we had a... Um, we decided because everyone in town was going to come, we decided to ticket it and make it a charity fundraiser yep. um, for a, a lady that was suffering motor neurons disease. Um, and everyone loved it and it was all controlled. We sort of staged it so everyone turned up at different times as much as you could. And we were just like, that was a breeze. Normally we get slammed. Everyone arrives at the exact same time. Mm. There's 200 pizza orders in within 45 minutes and then everyone's waiting so we, th- it was really successful. So we decided um, for this June long weekend to do the same. Unfortunately, our um, goat farmer that we get our goat's milk from has um, had uh, the bank foreclose his business mm. um, due to the drought, financial issues from drought, I guess. Um, so it's really sad for his family. So we're going to raise money for his family. So over the course of the weekend, we'll start with our winemaker's dinner on the Friday night. Then on the Saturday and Sunday, we've got live music. Tom's band's playing again on Sunday, um, Soul Tonic. Um, but we've ticketed so we can raise money for him and control the crowds. So, yeah. um, cause you just don't know, you know, 2000 people can turn up on a long weekend yeah. and it's just too, too many for our infrastructure at the moment. So, um, that's our June long weekend plan. Cool. Awesome. Come see us. Get a ticket. You guys, <laughs> events? Uh, we've got pilot in, Two weeks, I think, Some, somewhere around there. Um, June fourth, fifth, Tuesday. Pilot's Wednesday. a restaurant in Canberra. For um, any of you who don't know, um, yeah. So it's we've not got actual pilot. We've got um, Mal Hanslow. He's not a pilot. Who's also a pilot. Um, <laughs> head, chef, head chef down there, um, and his sous chef Barry, coming up to cook with myself and the guys. So um, there'll be six of us in the kitchen, which is we're only going to take forty bookings each night. Um, there are a few spots left both nights. Um, so, and what are the uh, dates? Can you give us the dates, please? Yeah, June fourth. I did. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you were too busy talking thought, about pilots. Yeah. Um, no, June fourth, June fourth and fifth, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, from six, and Ross and Dash, the owners, will be on the floor. Sick. With Jen, um, and they're all super lovely people. Yeah, uh, we'll take some hospo people yeah, at the that's, bar that's good. from whenever. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, like. Probably one I'm most excited about of, of our collabs that we've done. It was really nice cooking down in Canberra with those guys, and they're just lovely people and fucking very talented. Mal's a really talented chef, and um, he's worked in some great restaurants. And Ross and Dash are also like Pilot. If you're in Canberra, is such a good restaurant. Like, mm. Go if you're down there. Um, up. And um, then we've got Tofa from Wildflower Brewing and Blending on the. June 30th, Sunday lunch. Um, we haven't really marketed that one yet at all. We're just kind of deciding what we're going to do with that. Um, and then there's more. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about more on the next one. Cool. Yeah. Simon, any events? Uh, yeah. We've got three cool wine dinners lock, locked in. So we've got Leckenfield, which is super, like, fairly established Kunawano winery with, like, 100-year-old vines. Uh, next month and I think this is July we've got Yari Yering we've got Sarah Crow who's winemaker of the year a couple of years ago uh, originally from Wollongong coming down and they, they, they don't do too much too many wine dinners so super chuffed to have um, her coming um, and then we have Ravensworth um, from Canberra Brian Martin coming mm-hmm. down in October 
um, which I'm also super excited about. He'll be so, a good one for the potty if he wants the yeah. involved. If he's a, yeah. yeah, get some of his, um, get him to bring some of his sourdough mother. Yeah. He's at a restaurant the other night telling me about his oh, sourdough yeah, mother, 14 yeah. year old sourdough. Wow. Yeah, right. He got tested in San Francisco. It's, he'll tell you the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah very interesting guy, Brian. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, three dinners I'm really, really happy to be doing. Awesome. Uh, that's probably other stuff I can't remember. Um, Just trying to get through. I want to shout out a couple of things as well. If people haven't heard yet hidden harvest our local food waste warriors um not-for-profit organization focusing on educating people about food waste now have their own space on crown street that they got as a part of the renew wollongong project uh they um as a part of the renew wollongong project they were basically given a free lease to uh, to be to be in one of the vacant commercial spaces up on crown street uh and and it was like a 30-day rolling lease anyway they're at a point now where they now have to start paying rent so uh in order to keep the space they have to start paying rent and we're going to be putting on um events and and just a call out to sort of like local businesses before the end of um end of june before tax time and things like that to support hidden harvest and society city which is a second hand bookshop and free school that they share the space with to support hidden harvest and keep them in that space um because they invested a shitload of time and energy into fitting out the place and turning it into a home and turning it into a kitchen before having the space hidden harvest was we were borrowing the kitchens of business owners that we knew in order to to do our stuff and now it's fantastic because we're able to have a better schedule of events Mm. and and you know everything has its place in there we've got our own kitchen now and it's fantastic it's at 274 crown street which is upstairs and it's across the road from spotlight and it really is like anyone's welcome to go there whenever because society cities are part of it which is a book shop and a, uh, a, a co-working space um, and you can just walk in there there's free coffee by well there's coffee by donation like donation uh, a lot of the time there'll be just like toast by donation from rescued bread <laughs> um, and you can sit there you, you know chuck some money in a jar to get the wi-fi password and just work which is a beautiful place to do that um, and yeah, the events are much more consistent now as well. So, yeah, so every fortnight, yeah, exactly, yeah. So we're trying to collaborate, but um, <clears throat> at some point, yeah, every every second Wednesday they do an event called Wasted Wednesday, which is a uh, an event where we go and rescue food from greengrocers and stuff from around the place, uh, stuff that would normally go to waste, and turn that into a three course meal. And again, it's come in six o'clock, six thirty. Uh, you sit down, BYO, three course meal made out of rescued food, and it's just pay as you feel. Um, you know, and and you're supporting a, a good cause, and for us to continue what we're doing. And we've now got a new chef. Um, Georgia who's an absolute gun she works at Fred's up in Sydney and she gives up her every second Wednesday to come down and, and, and do that for us so shout out to Georgia me and Burble from Hidden Harvest actually went up to Fred's the other night and had a fantastic meal there so shout out to those guys it was sick um, and then yeah if you follow Hidden Harvest on Facebook or on their website or follow their mailing list or whatever there's also workshops where you can do sort of food pre- preservation you know pickling chutneys that sort of thing um, and, then, and then you'll cook a meal and sit down together and just sort of pay a pretty nominal price to do that sort of thing so there's some great things happening up at 274 crown street society city and hidden harvest so 
get in, mm. get involved, follow them on Facebook, and they're just a really, really cool group of people that are doing things because they're passionate about it, and it's a great community to be a part of. Uh, the other thing that I want to plug is my radio show. Again, if you haven't listened to it, it's starting to get actually good. So I've had, like, <laughs> before... Um, before the election, I had like yeah, local members. Of, local, I had Sharon Bird on, and I had Rowan Huxtable on. on for a while. Yeah, so yeah, no, I've had like members of Parliament on, things like that. I've got, um, I've, I've always got a bunch of cool guests coming on because there are a lot of cool people around the Illawarra that are doing interesting things. You know, access to people from the university in terms of talking about environment and stuff like that. So if you're interested, tune in 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. on your Just Tuesday nights. Banger it's, after banger after banger. Oh, banging on, tunes on, on as the music well. front. Yeah, well, we get we get local musicians to curate the playlist. Yeah. So we've got great tunes also as well yeah. uh, 106.9 Vox FM in the Illawarra or you can just Google stream Vox FM and you can find it mm. uh, if you want to go back and download some of the other podcasts they're all available last last time we had Joel Bickford from Aria on which was really cool uh, and then before that I think it was Phil Lavers from Moon Acres um, who basically grows the best veggies in the country so there's plenty of uh, podcasts to listen to and you can review and subscribe and do all those nice nice things that help us get some support and it's been cool because you know we're getting interest from people outside of the podcast now saying that they'd like to come on or have something to talk about and whatever so we'll have some new guests and um news for you listeners mm. in the future but thank you for supporting us and continue to support us if you want to be on the podcast if you think that you've got something interesting to say or um or, or you not. know someone that does not so then, <laughs> so then also, just get in touch yeah or if yeah. yeah if you just want to just sit and chat then that's yeah. cool too we i think we should do another wine tasting podcast soon yeah. as well because that we haven't done that for a while so yeah i'm always keen to do that, that. um we'll, we'll do it cool we'll do local wine tasting that's it. Thanks for uh, listening, guys. For See you next time. Thank you, Libby, so much for coming up to Wollongong and being a part of the podcast, too. You're welcome. Thank Sweet. you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 